Talk Speedway. Talk Speedway. Hello and welcome to the Talk Speedway podcast for my life in Speedway. I look back over legends of the past and we look back over their careers. Uh, we're delighted to say, Graham, my trusty co-host, Graham Muncy, uh, that this week we have got what I will call him during the interview, and I stick by this description, one of the working class heroes of the sport, I would say, uh, right up to the, I think he started his career in the early 90s, ended it in the uh, 2018, I think his career yep. ended. Right. Uh, Mr. Stuart Robson of Newcastle, Coventry, Hull, Rye House, Lakeside, or Arena Essex when he rode for them. Um, fame, really looking forward to this one, Graham. Yeah, yeah, very much so. A, a guy that I kind of remember starting out, you know, I, I'm off that age. I'm, I'm weirdly, you know, Stuart's probably less than 10 years older than we are. So I remember kind of 93, 94, I remember the name starting to pop up and and seeing as how he was based in the north so much, you know, everyone that listens knows that, that we are both based northern. Um, so he was always about, you know, as much as he had that big long spell at Coventry. But, but yeah, a guy that, you know, if you ask me to describe him and I don't know if this is two words or three, I'll need to check where the hyphen would go, but ultimate <laughs> team man. Yeah. would have been my impression if you asked me to describe him in one sentence you know never gunned for the glory himself was always there for the team dependable you knew what you were getting out of, out of Stuart and 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 what I'm really looking forward to also yeah yeah absolutely I would kind of describe him as never say die he was always one of the guys that perhaps wasn't renowned for his gating but was would always give it 110 percent kind of get past and he was always kind of spectacular on the bike as well wasn't it Graham? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I remember probably more so even towards the end of his career when he dropped back into what would have been the Premier League at the time, um, kind of mid two thousands, first with Rye House, and then the probably the early two thousand and tens when he when he had another few spells at, at Newcastle and places like that. Yeah, you, you knew you were in a race before laps when Stuart Robson was in a race. Absolutely. And without further ado, let's get on where my life in Speedway with Stuart Robson. Talk Speedway. Talk Speedway. Stuart, welcome to Talk Speedway. And of course, we're going to go through the ins and outs of a very long and successful career uh, for yourself. But just looking back at how you get started in the sport. Now, I didn't realise until I was doing a wee bit of research uh, and yourself that your father actually rode as well. Is that correct? He did. Uh, he, he had a go in the... 70s I think it was he had a he had a roughly 10 year and I think um I don't think he was very successful but he, he just did it because he enjoyed doing it I think you know and he managed to get into the team at Sunderland and I think he was in the team at Newcastle and uh Middlesbrough when yeah. it was the middle of the Tigers yeah well it seems to have conquered all of the northeast really oh, exactly, yeah. <laughs> so, so is that where your your kid uh, that's that was your introduction into speedway basically was through your father well, yes, yeah. When I, like my dad started race riding before I was born on that, and then um, I was born like seventy six. My brother was born seventy one, and he he was in the he got a bike before I was born, and um, and he would have he might well remember my dad riding. I don't know because he was obviously he's a bit older than me. I don't remember him riding, and then. Um, yeah, it was. We started on the grass track. That was the like my dad had retired from riding. I started riding on the grass track. Scott had already started on that. He was already doing it, and then it kind of just led on from grass track to 
well, it went to, for me, motocross, then speedway, because the grass tracks were all too far away. We couldn't really afford to go as far south as they were. Um, but for Scott, his was grass track straight into speedway. Yeah, so so was it just the allure of being on the bike, or, or were your dad having another go? Like, were you around the terraces at, at Newcastle before you before you started riding speedway, or was it just that was that was the only way you could ride the bike off a weekend? Was locally anyway was speedway at that time? Um, well, I used with I, I do remember being on the terraces. Yes, I remember that at, at both um, Newcastle and uh, Middlesbrough at Cleveland Park. Um, yes, so I, I do remember that. So we we used to go, but that was more. I, my dad wasn't been riding when I was when I remember, like I say. But my brother was riding, and even if it was just like after the meetings and stuff. But for me, I used to ride motocross at weekends as well, from being roughly eight year old. So we'd sort of go maybe do a motocross meeting and go to Newcastle Speedway afterwards, and get on the terraces and, and watch there. That's how we, um, what we used to do. So I'm gathering from obviously Scott being a, a, a bit older than you, you were the you were the brother that get the hand me downs and he was obviously some sort of influence on your your kind of younger kind of amateur career before moving professional. Yes, yes, I did get a few hand me downs, but um, <laughs> as you do, but I used to sometimes just use his stuff. You know, when I when I first started on speedway, I didn't when I didn't have a bike or whatever. I used to go around after a meeting. I just used to ride his bike, whatever bike he'd rode in the meeting. Um, I used to get on it and and do a few laughs. I mean, I was at that start stage. I was, I don't even think I was sliding. I can't really remember, but I could ride a bike because I'd been racing motocross for years before that. So it was quite good for that I could do that. But yeah, the, the good thing about having the sort of older brother in it is he made all the mistakes first that I didn't need to make. If you know what I mean, it was he like any. I learned a lot from him and. He obviously pointed me in the right direction as well as my dad did because my dad's been a massive influence on both me and Scott. And um, he all the mistakes that were made with Scott weren't made with me, so it was a it was a good help. That it was a massive help. Yeah, and then you mentioned Scott there, and of course I think your your league debut was actually with Edinburgh the year before, but your first full season ninety three with Newcastle. You're in the same team as Scott. You know some of the names in that team: Paul Fort, Mark Fort, Andre Compton. Guys that had long, long careers, so that you know there must have been a, a good bit of experience in that pits, even though some of those guys would have been pretty young at the time. Ah, uh, there was yes, and that '93 team was um was Phil Jeffrey in that team. He he was coming towards yeah. the end of his career, if I remember right. I think he was in it then. Um, yeah, yeah, he was. And Richard Jewell, he he still went on for a few longer a few years after, but uh, yeah, there was a lot of experience in that team. Um, I'm trying to think who else was in it, it was. Petri Corco came over. I don't know if that was 93 or 94. Gary Stead was in one or both of them years as well, but I can't remember which. So, yes, it was uh, good. It was, I mean, me and Andrea were roughly the same age. I'm slightly older than Andrea. So, we were kind of um, tussling for the reserve berth. And the rest was those years of experience with the rest of the guys. What what was your early impressions of of Speedway at that time when you first made uh, your kind of your kind of debut and who was like kind of when you looked about the pits who were you looking at to to kind of try and replicate what they were kind of doing at that time? Well, in the Newcastle team, Paul Thorpe was just outstanding that year. Mark Thorpe as well, especially you know the the two of them. But um, the, yeah, them them two were outstanding that year. They were brilliant. Paul especially though, he um, I think Paul had just dropped down from. 
what was it first division that was called then and we were second division i can't even think what it was called now and he he'd moved down and came to newcastle and yeah he was quite quite a good one to look up to you know but when the way it was with me i was i just wanted to ride my bike it was yeah. wasn't i didn't expect to go on as long as i did i didn't it it wasn't I didn't take it as serious. I did, but I didn't. It, it wasn't as professional as it is now. You know what I mean? I think a lot of stuff's all different now. It was more fun then. Uh, it was fun to ride. It was fun. To, there was good fun in the pits. And like, you know, with Paul Thorpe's crackers, he's, a right good, he's got a right good sense of humour. Um, Richard Jules good. Gary Stead was in the team, like I see it. And it was a good bunch of people. And we used to have a right good laugh with it as well. It wasn't just all seriousness and... Um, professionalism then it was a bit more relaxed and a bit more laid back yeah i'm sure there's some stories and you can probably tell by certainly if not by scott's accent by mine Stuart. i'm i'm edinburgh based and i still remember a meeting in 94 um at brough park where edinburgh needed a 5-1 and heat 15 to get a draw and, and the monarchs gated on a 5-1 and then richard you laid the bike down at the back and of course mark fork came out and bought to rerun uh, to give Newcastle the win, and, and yeah, what was that, 30 something years ago now almost? I, I still yeah. hold a grudge, so I know Richard, you still <laughs> I think you're hanging out now, right, Graham? I know, I'm, I'm sure there's a, a few more stories like that kicking about, but you know, you, you did 93 and 94 um, at Newcastle, and then sadly, Newcastle shut down, and that, that meant I moved to Coventry. And I guess for a north northeast guy, you know, if you just said at the start of your career that you'd spend the best part of a decade at Coventry, that must have came as a shock, but. They must have done something right for you for you to have such a long-standing relationship with them. Ah, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I, I would like to have been a bit would have been nice to have been a bit more successful with them. But yes, yes, I I really enjoyed my time with Coventry. It was great. Like when I got the call at the uh, beginning of '95 or end of '94, whenever it was, I got the call to to ask to ride at Coventry. I couldn't believe it, you know, because Coventry was one of the biggest clubs in the country. And they wanted me to ride for them. I was wow, you know, I'd come from Newcastle, gone having a bit of fun, and all of a sudden, I'm going to a club where Hans Nielsen had he was just retired that year from British Speedway. Um, but there was there was a kind of thing. Andy Smith was with the team, you know, two time British champion or three time wherever he was. Um, Simon Cross was in that team. Brian Anderson, under twenty one world champion, former Newcastle rider actually as well, but. There was um it was there was world class riders in the team. I know Paul Thorpe was still a world class rider when he was at Newcastle, but I didn't kind of see him as that because he was just um he wasn't in the top league, if you know what I mean. It was he was just a top rider in the second league at the time. Uh, and he was great to watch and all, but when moving up the league it was it felt completely different. But uh yeah, it was good that and I think see, I obviously did something right. I I did have a bit of a spell with New uh, with Middlesbrough and Hull after ninety six halfway through ninety six. I went to Middlesbrough then ninety seven with Hull, and then um, back to Coventry for quite a long stint after that, which was really good. And I enjoyed my time there. So just to pick up on the Coventry, the nineteen ninety eight season when I was when I was looking back and that's just actually when I looked at the, the looked at the whole league. Uh, in terms of the, the 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 riders that were riding, then it was insane. You practically had the whole GP series racing in the elite league at that time. But the, the Coventry team itself had get uh, Greg Hancock, Billy Hamill, Brian Anderson that you mentioned, and a young Andreas Johnson. I mean, it was it was a tough league to play your trade in at that time. 
It was, it was. That was probably, I, I would say that it was as tough as it ever was, I think. 98, 90, maybe 99 as well, I can't really remember. Then there was a couple of years, maybe. Mm-hmm. And it was, there was, you know, the teams were so strong. If you look at Ipswich's team that year. Yeah. As well, I think they won the, they won the league and they won the treble, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and they had Rickardson and Golub and Piss Louie and Scott Nichols. Tony Sparb. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I mean, I was a young Scott Nichols, anyway, but he was he was hitting the top of his game already. Then he was, he was on the on the way to the top of his game, and he was a really good rider. Um, I can't think who else was in that team then. Sean Tacey would have been on that team as well. I think. He, Sean was with Coventry. Yep. Or was he with Coventry? Yeah, he was with oh, Matthew at Coventry. Yeah. He was with me at Coventry that year. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was a. It was a tough year. It was it was good. It was great fun because obviously I got to ride against the the GP boys, which was always interesting. You know, and it was great when you beat them. You know, which didn't happen very often, but you know, when you did, it was it was always good. Yeah, and and you mentioned you know you would like more success at Coventry, but you know I think it was the year two thousand a, a trophy did come, the Craven Shield, um, as it was known at the time, and and yeah, that that must have felt like kind of a bit of culmination. Of, a lot of hard work to finally lift some form of silver. Okay, it maybe wasn't a league title that everyone would have been chasing, but still nice to get your hands on a bit of success after after all that time there. It was, of course, yes. Yeah, I mean, it's nice to win. It's nice to win anything, obviously. But um, yeah, for the long time I was there, we didn't actually, as a team, we didn't win a great deal. I was, um, and then funny, the year I left, I won the league. <laughs> 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 so that was a bit frustrating. The, um, in, you know, it was when 19, uh, 2005 was my first season with Rye House, with my first season away from Coventry as well. And um, yeah, they won the league that year because I'd had, I'd had a testimonial the year prior to that. I think it was 2004. And um, we were bottom of the league. So the crowds were, well, crowds were poor and you know, I, I didn't get the... I mean, I had a decent turnout, but it wasn't... A, because the club were bottom of the league, there wasn't many there to yeah. come to watch. And then um, I think the following year, I think Bomber had his testimonial there and they were top of the league and he had three times the amount of people I had. That's so. <laughs> odd's law there. Uh, uh, Stuart, just to, just to kind of pick up and the, the kind of, obviously the kind of GP guys that were kind of involved at that time, uh, I think, you know, my impression of growing up watching yourself um, as I've grew up and then watching adulthood as well, um, through it all was that you were part of what what I would kind of see as the kind of working class hero, uh, kind of type of riders, guys that race speedway, but also had a nine to five job kind of thing. Um, but when you look through the league, there was really like there was kind of a split there when you have the kind of top kind of GP guys that are there. And then as I say, I don't mean it detrimentally, obviously, like, but um, you get guys guys like yourself. Um, what what did you see is the when you're in and amongst that like kind of week in week out. What, what was the difference between the guys like, as I mentioned, Greg, Billy, Brian Anderson, AJ? What was the difference between kind of the level that they were going on to achieve and the, the kind of level that you were obviously kind of trying to aspire to and, and, and kind of get there? The, the difference, obviously, you've got to have a lot of talent to get to there, but the difference is finance. Yep. That's, that's where it all lies. It's all down to finances. Well, sorry, I'll, I'll rephrase that. It's not all down. You've got to have the talent. If you haven't got the talent, you got you can have all the money in the world. You're not going to get anywhere. But 
if you've got a lot of talent and you've got a lot of backing financially especially it's it, you can you can go a, a lot it makes life a lot easier a lot easier um because you've just you know i i could never afford anything really i couldn't i, I, I was my biggest sponsor yeah. throughout my entire career i did have help don't get me wrong i didn't i did always have sponsorship and I, I never had massive sponsorship i never had fa- a lot of financial sponsorship which is what you need to you know, to buy bikes engines etc you know like um my first season at coventry i had one bike and i had a car and a bike rack on the back of the car <laughs> that was you know in 1995 and everyone else was they all had vans two bikes three bikes whatever I literally just rocked up with one bike and that was it because that's all I could afford. I didn't have anything else and I had a, an old Sierra estate uh, that was a, what I used to use. And then we managed to scrape a few quid together for the following year and get a transit van, an old old one, but uh, it worked and it got me got me about. And then um, I think I managed to get two bikes then as well because that was roughly the time when laydowns were just coming in. So we got a, I think I might have got a, a new bike following year and one was a lay down one was an upright i don't know if that was 95 or 96 i can't quite remember so it was one of them but yeah it was um that's the main difference i mean the guys themselves are brilliant there's no difference in them the people yeah. you know, they don't treat you any different nothing like that they're just um they've just got a lot more money behind them and a lot more success with with uh, already but that attracts the money and yeah obviously the, the team of people I had the riders I was in the team with they were all world-class riders there was you know there was Greg and Billy both obviously world champion Brian Anderson under 21 world champion personally I think Brian would have won the I think it was 95 world title and he but he crashed at Bradford I think it was in in Natalie's shoulder because I think he was leading the championship and I think he would have won it that year uh, so that would have, you know, another world champion. Um, on Andreas was just starting his then. He, he was kind of what eighteen or whatever. Um, oh, that was a couple of years after, actually. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he, he was. He would have. He wouldn't have even been there. But yeah, they all. John Jorgensen was there, former world finalist. Um, Andy Smith, former world finalist, and yeah, it was. I think finances is the main thing. It makes things a. A lot easier. Yeah, and and during that time, you know, was there offers there? Were you tempted to, to you know, to try and scrape something together to go and give you know maybe Poland or Sweden or, or Denmark, wherever it may be, a crack and give it a right good go and try and kick on? What, what was you know was that ever an option? I, it wasn't at the time. No, I would love to have done it. I would love to. It's not like it wasn't like um, then. It wasn't like it is now. It's in Poland, especially. It's. It was still on the on the up in Poland, There's, um, but they, they weren't. It was difficult, more difficult to get a ride there because they've got they, they have a lot more opportunities out there now, which is really good. You know, the under twenty four league and wherever else, and they they really do try and bring on the youth, even if it's from other countries, that do help. Um, it's I my I did get to ride in Poland, but not in a league. It was under twenty ones, and uh, that was ninety six, and in. Uh, which I can't even think what it was now. Lesno, Lesno in Poland. There, uh, it was, uh, and it was good. It was great. Massive crowd, massive track. But I went out there with um, engines that I rode in England, mm-hmm. and they were no good. 
so it was never really an option for me then i didn't i couldn't have afforded engines or anything to and because you need extra bikes and whatever to be there yeah um, i did get the opportunity a few years later but uh it, i did a few meetings and then crashed and brought my back out there and that was the last time i rode there mm-hmm. just a whole different level of finances to ride out there as well it is, it? Yes, it is. especially um, now, yeah uh, the the move in in two thousand and nine, uh, you moved to Arena Essex at that time. Um, you spent a few seasons uh, uh, down there as well, but that kind of heralded your first, the first, the kind of elite league knockout cup, sorry, um, that you won in in oh nine uh, alongside the the kind of late great Lee Richardson, Jonas Kilmacorpe. Um, looking about the teams at that time in oh nine again, were were Arena Essex a wee bit underrated at that time? I think so. Yes, yes. It was. Um, it was great. We had great fun down there again. It was, which I think helps with the, um, helps with everything. You know, if you're going and you're having a good laugh, you're enjoying it a bit more. And yeah, I think they were underrated. And um, yeah, we we probably surprised a few people when we went and won won the knockout cup. Because mm-hmm. I think he's made the playoffs as well, didn't he? Where, where you get knocked out with Wills. So, do you, do you think maybe that was kind of down to kind of home track advantage as well? It was a pretty unique place there in Essex, wasn't it? I would have thought, yeah, I think it probably was. It was a good home advantage there. It was it was generally pretty slick, a bit like what Rye House was, but um, yeah, it was so tight, wasn't it? The like long straights and super tight corners. It put a you know, especially when it, it, it was funny, quite funny sometimes when the poles had came over and they'd never been to a track like that before. So they'd sometimes, a lot of the time, would struggle to get around. Not all of the riders. Some of them got around really well. But when the guys hadn't seen it before, they would struggle to get around there. Um, and that was things like that. Most riders, a lot of riders struggled, sorry, as well, in general there, because it was so tight and there was no other track like it. The, the closest to it would probably, um, I would say it's probably possibly Eastbourne, but only on one of their corners. It was really tight. And... The, the next tightest track like that would have been probably Newcastle. Mm-hmm. So um, it was, yeah, it was different, wasn't it? It was great. I used, I used to enjoy going down there, apart from the journey there on a Friday and the journey <laughs> home on a Friday. It was horrendous. Yeah. I used to have to leave. I only live about 100 miles away. And um, I used to have to leave at like 1 o'clock or something <laughs> to, to get there for an 8 o'clock start. Yeah. It was horrendous, it was. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, you're kind of, Looking through the list of clubs, obviously we mentioned that long tour Coventry. Then you kind of, I guess, drop down would be the the turn back into the, the Premier League, as it was known as the time where Rye House in two thousand and five, and that was a league winning team. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think maybe your your one and only league title um, during your career. So you know that must have been a, a great year. Obviously, maybe I'm not going to say an easier year for yourself, but having been used to elite league opposition coming down and, and getting that number one race jacket and being the main heat leader. I mean, I think it was a over a nine-point average and, and five maximums you scored during the course of that season as part of a league-winning team. So that must have been a year you absolutely loved as well. That was probably my most enjoyable year, I'd say, mm-hmm. that uh, 2005 team with Rye House. It was brilliant. We had um, a young Danny King, 16-year-old, in the team. In, I, think, I think he was 16. He started off at like reserve and finished up on about a seven or eight-point average. Um and who so else? Brent Werner was in the team. He he did well, and yeah, Eddie Kennett, a young Eddie Kennett again. So yes, it was great. It was a great year, and it it wasn't necessarily any easier, but it was a obviously 
not all of the riders like when you're in the elite league that 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 particular time especially it was still quite strong the i was sort of at i think i was riding number two or two three four whatever but then your reserves were still really strong you know there would still be heat leaders in the premier league or the whatever it was called now yeah it was it was premier league then wasn't it Mm -hmm. and then um so being in you obviously then your reserves in the premier league weren't as strong as the reserves in the elite league you know what i mean so it did mm-hmm. give you a couple of easier rides not easy but easier rides because they were a lot of them were young and just coming through um it, it yeah you've just got to take it as it comes over things like that haven't you because everyone's in the same in that position at some point in their career absolutely and sure like see when you you went into that right house side you've just said yourself there a lot of kind of younger guys but that by that point in your career you've 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 kind of amassed a lot of experience. Um, just going by your average and how you're saying that was an, an enjoyable year. Did you enjoy like kind of the the responsibility of being the person that perhaps being the number one that everybody's looking to to kind of go out and lead the team and be the person as I've asked you who were your early influences, but being those guys' early influences in the sport as well. Well, at the time, I probably didn't think about that to be honest. Yep. But when you look back, that is probably how it was. Um, I just used, to, I used, to, I was so enthusiastic about riding my bike and racing at the time. It, it was, I just used to go and get on with it, no matter what number I was riding at. I, I didn't really mind. Um, yeah, it was, it probably was the case, but um, I, I didn't think of it that way at the time. Mm. I just wanted to just go out there and win. <clears throat> yeah, and then you mentioned. You know, 2005, probably your your favourite year or your best year then, you know, kind of from, from exit to agony, as it were, the next year, the pretty bad broken wrist. And and then it was a couple of years of injury and, and, and gaps out the sport and stuff. And and that probably must have been about your toughest time in the sport, coming on the back of such a high. It was, yes, because um, we, like you say, we won the league and whatever in 2005. Um, and then... We had, I think, we had quite a decent team in the two thousand and six as well. We had Woofy in the team that year as well. He, he just signed for them, and we had a good team again. And then I crashed out early, quite early on. I might, I think, it was April or April or May, I crashed out really early on, broke my wrist really badly. That I have actually still have problems with that now. I've got arthritis in it, and it gets really painful. Um, but I missed something like six months. And I got managed to get back on the bike towards the end of the year. And I don't remember what I did then. But then, yeah, the following year, same sort of thing happened. And then I missed the 18 months after that. And then um, it was a bit of a disaster. A couple of seasons, really, as far as injuries go. And obviously Newcastle's been a, a kind of massive part of your, your career. I mean, when you, when you look through the kind of seasons that, that you rode there, you must have a, a kind of real affinity with the, with the club. Yes, uh, Newcastle was the first club I rode for and the last club I rode for, funnily enough, and um, kind of worked out quite good in that respect. Um, yes, a massive, massive um, affinity with them. And uh, it was the same promotion, well, the same promotion, George was the main link there throughout the entire time of I was riding at Newcastle. He was always promoter there and team manager. Mm-hmm. And it was always good to go back to. And they did have other promoters come in and out, come and go as as the years, over the years. But he was always the, the main steer there. Um, yeah, I enjoyed it. I always, the, the 
good fans at Newcastle. I, I had a good relationship with them. They were, you know, they were, they were uh, behind you and behind the team. And um, yes, it was, it was nice. It's just unfortunate that it went the way it did in the end, and it's been quite disappointing that it's gone that way. But this is how it is, isn't it? Unfortunately, mm-hmm. these days. Yeah, yeah, and obviously we've we've spoken quite a bit about you know some of the teams and and kind of that's maybe how you were known as as a team man, but looking individually, you know, a 10-time a British finalist. There can't be too many riders um, that, that can say that for themselves. So that must give you a great deal of joy. It's, you know, it's it's maybe not quite pulling on the, the national team jersey in a World Cup or stuff, but it's as close to it as a lot of riders get. And, and yeah, as I say, 10 times in that competition, that must be something you look back on fondly. Definitely, yes. And the first, after, I think it was, I don't know, it was early 2000s when I first went into it I can't really remember now what I would I was getting um I didn't have to qualify I was getting put in because it went on the average so that was great uh, not having to do that because the qualifying release I used to I used to hate doing that I did do a couple for, at first and then I got got seeded was the word I was trying to think and then after so many years you had everyone have to qualify after a bit and then they've gone back to seeding again. But yes, it was great. Um, the, the I remember my first British final. I was riding with Coventry at the time, riding at Coventry, and it was at Coventry as it happens. And um, I thought to myself, well, I've got um, everything, to, nothing to lose, and everything to gain here today. So I just go out and enjoy myself. You know, I didn't put too much pressure on myself, and I, I think I did pretty well, to be honest. I can't, I can't remember. Exactly how many points I scored, or I'm sure I finished sort of top six or seven uh, um, in my first one. Yeah. And I, which was ten points and joint fifth. I've got it up in front of me just now. Joint <laughs> fifth on ten points. I was I was really I was over the moon with that ten points in the British final. Then, you know, if you look at the lineup of the um, British final, then it was, it's um, it was pretty strong. Yeah, uh, you know, you had Mark Laram in it. Well, um. Gary Havelock and Andy Smith and Chris Louie and uh, Scott Nichols and um, Stoney, Sean Wilson, Joe Screen. <clears throat> uh, there are others, obviously. I just can't. I can't think off the top of my head right now. You know, that was an extremely strong lineup of international riders, all GB riders. Paul Hurry was another. What would have been in it? Um, Martin Dugard. Lee Richardson, yeah, exactly, yeah. Full lineup of international riders, really. So to go out and score ten points, I was over the moon with that. Absolutely. Um, just you, you touched on we touched on earlier, obviously the fact that your your brother uh, rode as well. He had a, he had a long career like yourself. I think eighteen years by by my research with multiple multiple clubs. Obviously, he's rode together uh, a few times as well. Big question, really, Stuart. Did you prefer riding against him or with him? <laughs> I used to like riding with him because he was a good team. I know he's a good team rider, and I know he would be looking out for me um, if I was on track with him. So I always enjoyed riding with him. Yes, it was always yeah. better. <clears throat> Definitely. And what what kind of me- did you travel together or anything like that? Like, what kind of memories have you got with, with riding with your brother? Um, first couple of seasons with when when we were both with Newcastle. <laughs> we travelled everywhere together. We lived in the same house. You know, we 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 literally travelled from the same home to the same track, so it made sense to travel together. And uh, yeah, that was that was um, always good. I mean, it helped with costs of fuel and stuff at the time. 
and I didn't have a van there then, so then Scott did. So I used to obviously be able to put my bikes in his van. And then yeah, we were kind of when I was separate ways after that two thousand uh, after ninety five when I went to Coventry, and I can't remember did he where did he go? Did he go to Middlesbrough? Or I can't even remember where he went to after that. Yeah, Middlesbrough. Um, yeah, and yeah um, I think he's linked back up at Hollow again in ninety seven as well. We linked halfway through ninety six with Middlesbrough when I I got dropped from Coventry, and then we I finished the season with Middlesbrough. So. But then we went back to Hull together, like I say, we went we were together at Hull the following year. Yeah, it was I used to enjoy riding with him actually. See, he was he's a good team rider. He was he would look out for you, and he would, which when you know that before you go out, it helps. Yeah. Yeah, certainly. And and I touched on it earlier. You know, I think maybe earlier those those Coventry years back in the the late nineties, early two thousands, when you you know you were you were that second string in the elite league and. And you maybe look at Speedway now, and, and I think you probably got a take just a bit towards the end of your career. But looking back, do you think if I dub one up opportunity or the way it is now, where you could have been a number one in what would have been that the, the Premier League at the time, do you think that would allow you to kick on that a little bit more? You know, maybe a wee bit more confidence for winning heats, and also, as we touched on earlier, that extra income of you know scoring double figures thirty times a year in the Premier League, as well as your however many matches in the Elite League. Yeah, it definitely would have helped. Yes, it definitely would. Because you know, if just riding the one league, I didn't ride abroad. My, you would sometimes go two weeks without a meeting <clears throat> when there was no home meeting. Um, you know, and sometimes you might have three meetings in one week, uh, which was great. But then you didn't. You had a, you had ten days off or whatever, and then them gaps off when the other riders are all riding every day or every second day. They're staying sharp, and you're not. It's yeah. I, I needed the, the the being able to double up them would have been or double down as it happened would have been would have been a big um a big help. Uh, I guess I didn't ride abroad, and I didn't manage to get any individual meetings abroad or anything. Only doing the twenty ones when that started in ninety six. I think was my first time in it, and it cost an absolute fortune to be abroad because. You don't really get a lot of money to to do them kind of meetings. You get a little bit of help. Well, you, well, it depends where you finish. I think if you win the meeting, you probably about covered your costs. But anything after that, you didn't cover your costs. So, um, that was my only sort of extra meetings, unless I got the old guest program here and there. Definitely would have been good to have done two leagues. Then it was a great thing when they brought it in when you could do both leagues. Um, that was really good, but I think if I remember right, both leagues combined, didn't they? Is it 95 96? Yep, yeah, both leagues combined that year, which was great. I mean, we did get a lot more meetings in it because I think there might have been 15 teams or whatever there was, like, rather than like nine, you know. So you did get a lot more meetings and on, on extra track, different tracks, and that was it was a good thing in that respect, but still not enough. Just, just looking at the kind of tail end of your career, Stuart. Um and like kind of consider retirement. It's always when we speak to guys that um obviously we speak to guys, it's always retired riders we're we're kind of speaking to. Um coming to the kind of end of your career, is it is it a battle for a couple of years in your head where you're thinking about retiring and then the deal comes during the winter and you think you're gonna give it another year? Like how how did it kind of come about where you decided to call time in your career? Well, with me, I 
2017, I was I stopped enjoying it as much as I did as I was on as I know I should, and I started to lose a bit of enthusiasm. But it kind of half came back towards the end of the year, and I thought, oh yeah, it's actually I'm all right here. I'm all right. And then 2018, the season started. I think I like started off with a bit of enthusiasm, and it just went off. I just that was it. It um I I lost uh, lost the what's the word like the enthusiasm. The enthusiasm for winning, you know, to put it all, you've got to put so much effort into it. It's, you know, to be as good, to win races and to be as good as the guys out who are out there. There's, like I said before, it's so much more professional now than it was when I first started. And all the guys are professional, even the newcomers who come through, they're, they're really, really good at, you know, on, at what they do. And everyone's so professional about what they do. They're athletes, you know, they're, they're training all the time and stuff. When, when I first started, I think the, there was only probably the top guys who trained the rest of them went straight to the pub after the meeting. <laughs> so it was, um, yeah. And I guess like I, I lost, I lost the enthusiasm for it and the, which was a shame because it's something I'd enjoyed for such a long time. And since then I've sort of hardly been, I've not, because Coventry isn't when I still live in the Coventry area and um, Coventry doesn't run obviously. And the nearest track is, Leicester or Birmingham, I'm not really sure which. They're both prof- yeah, they're both both about 25, 30 minutes away from where I live. It's not too far, but they both run on, on like school nights, mm-hmm. which when you're up for work at five o'clock the next morning or whatever, you know, it, it's it's um it's not as easy to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you, you mentioned it there, um, Stuart. We we always like to look maybe off the, the track a little bit and and you say it maybe wasn't as professional, you know, I, I remember your career and, and I don't remember too many incidents. And, and when I Google it, nothing comes up. You know, we've had guys like Stoney on the past telling stories of spending a night in an Australian jail because he streaked across a rugby pitch. <laughs> yeah. John Wilson almost going the same way after a punch-up with Zoltan Adjahan. You know, th- there must have been a couple of uh, hairy, scary moments during your career, whether on or off track, that... Now you're long retired. I'm sure you can share a couple. What kind of what kind no. of springs to mind if I ask if I ask that question? Nothing like that, to be honest. No, um, I don't really know. There's not really anything like that. I wasn't quite as wild as them. <laughs> uh, I think maybe I could handle my my drink a bit better. I don't know. I just wasn't as, wasn't as stupid, really. Uh-huh. But if I, if I reword it, then was there ever you know, was there ever that one rider that just whatever seemed to happen when you were on a race against them? it got a bit aggressive or just, you know, something happened, just that, maybe that one guy that, that was never a and you just thought, this, I just can't stick this guy. We just, we just never get on. Um, No, I had run-ins with riders, but they were always just heat of the moment things. You know, there wasn't anything, anything more than that. Um, Not really, no. I mean, there was people who you had to be wary of, uh, who, who would, who were notable you know, they had big bad reputations for turning left and right on you. You know, they were like literally putting you in the fence. Um, so you had you were aware of that. You were wary, and you didn't. Nicky Pedersen was probably one of them, and he he probably I don't know. I haven't seen him riding in a while now, so but I don't know if he's still the same now. Still or the not. same, Stuart. He's still the <laughs> same. <laughs> yeah. The thing is, if you speak to him off the track, he's great. He's a lovely good yeah. guy. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, he puts the helmet on, the horns come out. You know. And, <laughs> He, um, yeah, but there are there have been riders like that in the past, and you've got to you just think, oh, you, you, 
you got to keep out of the way then basically you, if even if they're behind you you just you still don't know what's going to happen you know they'll, they'll come they'll ride through you and not go off all sorts of stuff there's been things like that over the past and Roman Matusek was another one he was a bit hair and scaring wasn't he as well yeah, one thing I wanted to pick up with you Stuart as well is that probably uh, especially in the later kind of part of your career um, we see this with riders now that it's a big thing in the sport about sitting still at the start and I've got this kind of image I remember a kind of sky meeting where um, I think you were riding for Lakeside where you've literally dropped the clutch as the as the tapes have just started to move. And it's as if you've kind of anticipated it, but you've went, but you've not touched the tapes and you've got a, a kind of flyer. Did that become a bit of frustration that number one, you became a rider with a reputation that would jump the start and number two, that you were getting pulled back and sometimes that your reputation would precede you? Yeah, exactly. That was, I had a, um, a bit of a spell of, basically well, I started doing, um, uh, reaction stuff, you know, to to speed my reactions up, and it was it was working basically. And I I didn't have a reputation as a good gator before that, and all of a sudden I started making gates. So oh, you must be doing, you must be jumping them or something, you know. And I I got pulled back so many times when I I knew fine well I hadn't moved, and it was on like it was on TV a few times, and they would they would rerun it and rerun it, and they would. It, there was nothing wrong with the start, but the referee pulled it back, and you know you 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 can't jump the start or whatever. And yeah, yeah. But then the other riders did it all the time and got away with it. Yeah. But because they didn't have a they they were already known as good gators because they did it all the time, they got away with it. And then yeah, it was you see the reputation preceded you after that, and uh, it was just so frustrating because it was costing. Um, Cost me money basically. Yeah. Cost me it's cost me points, and obviously points make um, points make prizes in Spain, don't they? <laughs> and we we touched on it earlier in those last couple of years of your career. You know, it kind of wound down there after two thousand and eighteen. But you know, the I guess there's all the a speedway riders bad luck is that what we're called never seems to go away. We're now you know it. 20, 23, five years since you last rode in anger, but. We're still trying to get this farewell meeting on it. Stage attempt number four, I think it is coming up now. And and is that something that's keeping you going, or is it something that's just become such a major frustration? It's the frustration now. It's frustration. It was really, I was, you know, the, at the first attempt, it was uh, first two attempts really. You can't, yeah, find this something really good. This well, you know, we, um, it, there's, a, I've got a friend who's helping me doing most of the work. To be fair to him, who's helping me um, organize it, and we just, it's. It's such a chore to have to start all up again after you've had a like a year off doing it or whatever. Um, yeah, it's just a massive headache now. It's a frustration, but I'm too far into it to like financially uh, to not to not run it. You know, if if I pull out now and like, I have to give everyone their sponsorship money back, it's going to cost me six roughly six thousand pounds. Wow. Yeah. And you you must be really grateful to Red Car as well because they've stuck with it for you as well, haven't they? They have yes, absolutely. Uh, Rick Hart being brilliant, and you know, every every time there's no hesitation. Yep, you can have it here, no problem. Um, which is brilliant, and I'm so grateful for that. They, the the club up there have been excellent. Um, considering I only rode with them a little bit, uh, throughout my career, I only rode for Red Car, what, 
once or twice. I, and I know I did a bit of Middlesbrough as well, but yeah, I didn't have the most successful time with them either. But yes, they, they've been brilliant with me. Um, I've known I've known the Swales as who are now running it, run it um, for a long, long time though, and I think that possibly helps as well that the I've sort of friends with them before. Before, like Jamie Swales, I've known him since he was about ten year old. You know. Yeah, and I think it's a fingers crossed the thirtieth of September. Um, it's due to go ahead attempt number four, and I know I, I speak to to young Kieran Lydon quite a bit as he's involved in the Monarchs Academy, and and he was buzzing for the, the running at the start of the season. I think two people had sponsored his race jacket, and he was That's telling right, me yeah. he was going to make a trap on Freddie Lindgren if he got a chance and won his heats <laughs> with him. So I know uh, if you you could put that on, I think at two in the morning on a Monday. And Kieran would be there ready to ride for you. So fingers crossed you yeah. get another 16, 15, 16 guys like that. Oh, yeah, that's the thing. I'm struggling with riders at the moment because of the time of year it's it's on and uh, GP being on the same day and whatever. It's um, it's difficult to get riders. Like the the the, the last run of it went at the beginning of this year. We had a really high, strong field in it, really high standard of riders right throughout the whole field, which was brilliant. So this year, now we even sorry we're having to go. Um, have a bit of a different approach to it. So we've got a couple of uh, young British lads, um, Ashton Barton and Freddie Hodder. Um, I don't really know much about Ashton apart from I know he's he's come from motocross background. I know Freddie. I've known him for a couple of years now, and I'm trying to help a little bit as much as I can. But it's it's difficult because I'm at, I'm working myself with that. But um, yeah, we're going to bring them in. Uh, we've got the. German girl Selena, I can't remember Lyman. her second name. Sorry, Lyman. Lyman, yep. Yeah. She, I'm hearing really good things about her. Yep. Never seen her ride yet, and um, there was a few people said, yeah, she could well give the guys a run for their money. She definitely, she definitely will. I've I've seen her race. I've seen her race in the European under twenty three uh, semi final against the the British boys uh, earlier this year, and she'll most definitely give the boys a run for her money. She's good. Brilliant. She's a good yeah, rider. Yeah. I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing her because I've never seen her before. Um, and Martin Coleman, who's helping me run it, he suggested that why don't we try this? And I thought that's a really good idea. I didn't really know much about her. I'd, I'd seen a little bit about her on social media. I knew she was good, but I didn't know how good. Um, and it's, yeah, he said this is uh, we, we hopefully we can spin a bit of publicity from it as well. Yeah, and that was yeah, it, uh, that should be good. That I've, I'm trying to. And waiting on the other riders getting back to us, back to me, who uh waiting to see if their team's in playoffs and whatever, and so and when Polish playoffs and whatever else. There's a couple of couple of teams just been knocked out apparently over the last week or so. So um we're we're reapproaching them riders. But yeah, I still I think we still need about ten riders at the moment yeah. to get into it. It's like it's a difficult task to get the um uh, the high, like, I, there's a lot of younger lads have helped, have messaged me. Sorry, to uh, do, you want, do you want me to ride? You know, I'll ride if you want, and which is great. And I really, really appreciate the fact that they've done that. Um, uh, nothing personal against them. I'm just trying to get a bit of the more well known riders in to, to as well, especially people who have been known in the northeast and um, had links to northeast teams. Um, because if they're not riding there, hopefully they might bring a few a few people in to see them. Absolutely. And I'm sure you'll get a fantastic turnout for the, the Diamonds fans as well. I'm sure they'll come they'll want to come uh, down to the farewell meeting. As we say, that is on September thirtieth. 
Um, just to let everybody know, because I, I think the plan would be for this to go out prior to the to the, the meeting actually happening. So uh, obviously there's going to be names that uh, Stuart's not mentioned here. So if you are listed to us perhaps the week before uh, Stuart's meeting, make sure that you get down to Red Car on September 30th for his farewell meeting. Um, Stuart, just last question that we ask all ex-riders that we have on My Life and Speedway. Um, how would you look back over your 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 career? What are the most enjoyable kind of moments, and what would be your overriding kind of feeling towards your kind of speedway career? Um, enjoyable moments with a few stand out. British finals, I enjoyed everyone. Well, most of them, I didn't necessarily enjoy everyone because one or two I had a bit of a bit of a uh, night, but it was just the fact I was there was was always really good. I always enjoyed that. Um, that season with Ray House, like I said earlier, brilliant. Really enjoyed that. Great bunch of lads in the in the team that year. Still have a, a memento photo, like a printed um, on canvas that Len, well the promotion at Ray House got us all. And I still have that up in my garage, um, with the picture of us all on there. It was great. Um, <clears throat> under twenty one, some of the under twenty one stuff was good to do because it was all new to me at the time. It was, that stands out a little bit, but yeah, mostly the uh, the uh, sort of British finals. I would say, and just just being part of uh, being part of a club for all them years was always really good. Any club didn't matter who it was. I was always I gave you know, I gave my all. Whichever club I went to, I wanted to win, and I wanted that club to win. Uh, so it was always nice to get the call. At the start of the season, or even better if you if you knew it before the end of the fort, the, the prior season was always even better, which happens a lot more now. Didn't used to happen as much then. Back in my <laughs> early days, it's it's it did happen a couple of times when I was with Coventry. I think I would know that I was going to be back the following year, which was always nice. Um, that things like that do you just stick out and people you've worked with, people like Colin Pratt, great, Eric Bucock, brilliant, love them them two guys, brilliant. Um riders you've ridden with and as well as well as against you know teammates Greg Hancock and Billy and Brian and um there's a lot of us not just them but they um because they were with my part of my time with Coventry it's this sort of and they were world champions at the time as well and it, it's kind of um, they stand out a lot as well. Talk Speedway Talk Speedway Graham that was our most enjoyable chat uh with one of the one of the kind of legends of the British Speedway for the era that I grew up in uh, in terms of being as you described them in the intro the team man, the never say die kind of attitude and I think you heard that through the interview as well that uh, he was always kind of keen to talk about his his teammates so to speak as well, maybe we just led them that way but we was keen to talk about his teammates as well. No yeah I think so and you're right that's that's probably what I enjoy most about, about doing these these my life and speedway. You know, we've had Hollywood star, two time world champions, we've had four times world champions, we've had, you know, guys that like you know, the very first one or the second one we've done, which was the Mitchell Davy, that you know, injuries curtailed a, a second tier career. And that's what makes a sport for me is everyone. You know, it's mm-hmm. you can talk to the top guy, you can talk to the guys that, that just love the sport and, and did it as, as a hobby for 10, 15 years. And you get different stories from all. You get different insight, and and I enjoyed that. You know, that was one of the okay. Yeah, we weren't talking about world finals, and we weren't talking about cross border trips and things like that. But you know, 
50 pence in the jar, everyone. Being an Edinburgh fan, Stuart <laughs> Robson's career kind of is the speed we I know. It's the speed we I was brought up on. It's, you yeah. know, the Premier League, the, the northern scene in the, in the Premier League was, was where Stuart was kind of brought up um, and, and Speedway. And yeah, now I thoroughly enjoyed that. And and yeah, it's nice a bloke as you'll meet on or off. Well, maybe not on the track sometimes, actually, but off track, certainly. Um, Stuart Robson really enjoyed that. And I hope, I hope he gets what he needs and what he deserves on the 30th. It's, it's been a long time coming, that farewell meeting. And fingers crossed, he can put the field up. He might have it by the time we, we're discussing this, and this goes out, obviously. Um, and he gets what he deserves on the, on the 30th of September at Red Car. Absolutely, I echo that as well. I think you, you mentioned there about some of the guys that we've had on the, the, the podcast previously, your your Bruce Pennells and like Mitchell Davy, Kev Dillon. I think the thing that strikes me most is when we take the guys back to how they get started in Speedway, it's how similar everybody's journey is through it, whether that be through a family member or like people borrowing bikes to get started. It just, it, it I think I, I know I asked these kind of probing questions as, as we did with Jason Crump in the previous episode. We asked kind of Stuart there about, about them getting into the sport. Obviously, Jason's trajectory is far, far more different and we tried to get into the kind of psyche of that. But when you, you hear when they get, when they first then break into teams, that's really when the the guys start to get defined about where they'll they'll eventually be in the sport. Yeah, and it's you know we stay away from the politics, don't we? But it's a worry for me for kind of the future in speedways. How do young guys get started now? I know that there's a lot of academies and stuff going about, but where are the days of my dad had a bike in the garage, or there's a spare bike kicking about, or I'll pick off a bag of spanners for a few hundred quid just to give it a go? Because now. You know, and it's no offence to any of the youngsters coming through because it's such an expensive sport to get into. They need to, but you've got sixteen-year-olds showing up with three bikes and a brand new van and wanting compensated accordingly. And and you sometimes just wonder, has that? And, and I forget who it was that we had on that touched on just how much even that northern grass track scene that you know brought everyone through, everyone that came through Bellevue, through Newcastle, through anyone, anyone in the northeast or northwest. Um, kind of from Bradward up the way, it, from probably the late 80s, early 90s onwards, came through the youth grass track scene to start with. And where's the next generation? Absolutely. I mean, you look at the the new kind of uh, ladder kind of system, for the want of a better phrase, uh, that the SGP's got now. Um, again, even the disparities there of uh, when Stuart was talking about there in terms of finance, uh, I think it's SGB4, GP4, uh-huh. sorry, where uh, they've got the bikes that Tony Ricardson's kind of put together and stuff like that. Um, for guys that I've spoke to that were, were there, there was some of the, some of the young riders are turning up with like four bikes to that. And like I'd, off the top of my head without actually researching it, yeah, before, before we speak, I'm sure they're in the region of five grand each. Uh-huh. Whatever that, whatever that may be, and then you've got, uh, maybe some of the young, the, the kind of British guys who just simply can't can't afford can't afford to do that to go and ride at that that kind of level. It's almost the disparity in the the as you say, like being able to go to a track and kind of come through a different scene. It, it is difficult. It's very difficult. I know that because I've got a son at seven, and you're trying try to get him involved and get things together but the the price everything and he wants to have a go and you're like, like 
<laughs> he's got. I'm going to need to set up a racing page to get some sponsorship <laughs> before we even get started here. But I, I agree with what you're saying, Graham. We're perhaps getting into a full scale episode of Talk Speedway here, um, rather than focusing on Stuart. But I hope everybody uh, enjoyed this episode. Share it far and wide. Of course, we're across all social media channels. We're on the newly, we're on X. That is formerly known as Twitter. Marks the uh, spot. <laughs> Facebook and Instagram where you can catch all of that and of course you can catch the show on Apple on Spotify and anywhere that you get your podcasts really uh, as I say share it far and wide and we'll continue with our second season of My Life in Speedway so keep tuned to that uh, for next I don't want to say week because I can't commit to that <laughs> for the next episode of My Life in Speedway that we're going to carry on throughout the winter so until the next show it's a goodbye from me that's a goodbye from him. Talk Speedway. Talk Speedway.